Welcome to The Rural Rockstar, a podcast dedicated to empowering rural women with the tools and inspiration to transform their lives and businesses from the inside out. I share my journey of Survive to Thrive in life and business, and I show what it takes to be an entrepreneur. I also interview other rockstar women from around the world to inspire you to do it too. My mission is to empower the next generation of rural changemakers to show up and be the leaders we need. I'm Katrina, your rockstar host. Let's rock. Hello and welcome back to the Rural Rockstar. I'm your host, Katrina Mites, and I'm joined today by Steph Trithui. Oh, nearly got it right, Steph. Almost. <laughs> Almost right. So close. My fault for marrying someone with, with that last name. So, yeah, <laughs> thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being with us, Steph, and thanks for taking the time. We are recording this at night because both of us have kids. And as we will get into about the motherhood journey, but Steph at the moment has babies who are taking short naps. And so nighttime recording is where it's at. And that is, you know, that's just the joy and what we have to work with and how we make it work as mothers, I suppose. So it's lovely to have you with me today, Steph. And just a little bit of background. I have actually been on Steph's podcast. So we will hear all about Steph's fabulous podcast <laughs> um, during this interview. But Steph is the creator and the host of the podcast Motherland which is a fabulous podcast for rural women, well, for everybody, but interviewing rural women and sharing their stories. And it's such a lovely podcast. Uh, And it's what sort of led me to having Steph on today. And it's fabulous. And Steph's got, I suppose, a diverse background um, growing up in the city and then being a journalist and a host, not a host, but a reporter for a current affair, I believe, um, and has the classic story of falling in love with a farmer and ending up in the country, which we will hear all about. So, Steph, I would love to hear you tell us your story, as I always do, rather than me try to, you know, hash out the details. But would you tell us how you kind of, you know, a bit about your story, your journey in life so far, and how you ended up on a farm in Tasmania? <laughs> yeah, it still feels surreal. Like, you know, seven, eight years ago, I was literally chasing dodgy people and criminals down the street on national television. And <laughs> now I am living on a farm in rural Tasmania with my kids and, and cattle, no con men, but a lot of cattle. Um, yeah, it's um, it's been a bit of a wild ride. Um, it's been very random. Um, I guess that's how the universe works. But I suppose in a nutshell, yeah, I, my, I mean, I cut my teeth in the TV industry. Um, I spent, you know, seven, eight years working for Channel 9, Channel 7 across the country, um, got my my dream job and my big gig with A Current Affair um, in Brisbane and then moved to Melbourne for the show. And as I said, like it was all about, you know, living the dream and and that the glamorous and, and mostly unglamorous um, life of a TV reporter at the time. And um, amongst it all, I, I met my husband, Sam, um, and may, many women listening, I'm sure, know the old that old chestnut of falling in love with a handsome farmer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what led me here ultimately. So, yeah, I actually interviewed Sam. I was working for Channel 7 in Rockhampton and I interviewed him for the news. Um, he was a guest speaker. He'd flown up from Victoria at the time and yeah, we met. I interviewed him for a story and the rest is history, I suppose. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. But so you were when you first met, 
you weren't oh sorry when yeah so when you first met you weren't actually he wasn't on the farm in Tasmania at that point was he that was a decision you made sort of further into the or after you got married to go back to the farm yeah yeah so Sam was born and bred in Tassie but at 18 like a lot of Tasmanians do left to go to the mainland (laughs) mainland (laughs) Australia and get some experience and traveled around the world and worked on all sorts of farms um so he was um actually working on his dad's property his dad left Tassie and had a big property in Victoria at the time so he was working on there when I met him and was writing for fair facts for agriculture stories and doing a whole bunch of cool stuff and yeah so we met and basically lived around the country following each other's careers mainly my tv career so he followed me and then eventually it was my time to follow him in a way um you can take you know the boy out of the country but yeah he's that 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 runs thick in his blood and he just he wanted to find a way to come back to the land come back to tassie and that's where the idea for our business our beef business was born and we made it back here yeah, so tell us about that business first before we get into talking about the podcast and everything. So what's the um what what is the business? Taz Agco, is that the right name? Yeah, so Tasmanian Agricultural Company. Um yep. we farm regenerative wagyu, wagyu cross beef. Um essentially long story short and the mini skirt version is um we didn't get handed a family farm or sam didn't get handed a family farm um in tassie and so we had to start from scratch we had absolutely nothing zero dollars nothing so sam being incredibly innovative thought how can we run a beef business without owning a single cow so what we actually did which is similar to like think about you know uber they're the biggest transport company in the world they don't own a car airbnb biggest hotel or biggest accommodation company in the world they don't own a bed so we're like, well, how can we do that with beef? So what we do is um, we his, his dad helped us get a start with some Wagyu bulls um, and those genetics. And what we do is we actually put our bulls over dairy cows and we buy all the calves back. So it basically we're able to grow our herd by not owning any breeding units, which takes a lot of a lot of heavy things off our balance sheet. Um, and obviously, anyone who knows dairy knows that they don't like their bobby calves. They don't need their bobby calves because they don't boys can't be milked. <laughs> um, so we buy all the bobby calves back and all the all the waggy cross um, calves, and that's how we've grown our business from scratch. Um, Literally had nothing. The Tassie government have a great young farmer's loan um, that helped us buy the property. Um, we raised money from an investor for the operational costs. Um, and, yeah, that's that's how we got our start. It's been a, been a slog. But um, we hit the market in February this year and we're selling our regenerative beef to, to retailers, butchers and restaurants. That's amazing. I didn't know that. I mean, I followed the journey when you guys first moved back because I actually randomly met Sam when he was working for Sprout X. I think it was Sprout X he was working for, which is, you know, all about innovation and entrepreneurship and, you know, so it makes sense for him to be working in a place like that. But so I followed the journey of when you sort of arrived at the farm and you were building up the social media and telling the story of it, but I didn't know that that was the business model actually. So that's incredible. Well, how That is very innovative. And how's it going? Yeah, it's going really well. And I suppose, you know, we, we made the decision to, to farm here for obviously sentimental reasons, it's home, but also from a drought resilience point of view, you know, where we are, and I'm sure a lot of people will hate to hear this, but we get um, our average rainfall is like 998 millimetres, so almost a metre a year. <laughs> um, and that was a, a big reason why why we chose to farm in this particular pocket where we are in the central north. Um, so, yeah, yes, it was all about coming home for Sam, but it was also making what we thought was the best business decision for us, um, you know, especially when you're going into it with no cash and your leverage to, you know, to your eyeballs is at least you can try and be in the best sort of climate as possible. Um, so, yeah, so we moved here. Sam obviously coming from a farming background fitted right in. And and for me, I, I knew that my role in the business was going to be incredibly important because we're building a brand. So we're basically vertically integrated, taking it right through the supply chain. So 
while my skills as a television journalist couldn't be used here, um, my skills, you know, in telling stories through journalism, um, you know, were really needed for our brand. And that's where I've managed to find my sweet spot um, and build some confidence as a as a rural businesswoman, I suppose, is, is owning the business with Sam and managing all our media marketing and, and managing a lot of the sales stuff as well. So, yeah, it's been a big learning curve and it still frightens me, but we're getting there. Okay, so I was laughing back there because our, our, our rainfall is like 13 inches, but um, that is, it's so, I love hearing and what you were saying there about you, uh, you know, you had a really important part of the business. And I remember a post of yours, it was a little while ago now, just talking about being able to call yourself a farmer. And it's so interesting. And I see this a lot with women on farms. Like we, so many people say, oh, I'm a farmer's wife even though they're like equal partners in the business or they're probably doing the books. Like so often I talked about this on another interview I did recently with um, Samantha Nolan-Smith. Actually, we were talking about feminism and, you know, women's place and all that kind of stuff and saying so many women do the books, but it's not it's not paid. They don't get paid to do it. It's just like an on-the-side hobby. Yet doing the books is such an important part of a business, really, but it's always taken for granted. And it really resonated with me, that post that you did, and I think it resonated with a lot of rural women about, actually being able to call yourself a farmer and own your place in the farm business. And it's interesting, that was something that we did here as well when we moved back, like it very much felt like an equal partnership in the business. We had different roles, but we were both, you know, playing an important role and and, and both parties, both, you know, Tim and my time was recognised in the business. And so, yeah, that is obviously a really important role that you've been able to play, especially in that business where you are building a brand. And so... But it's interesting that you still had imposter syndrome around that, didn't you? You talked about in that post that you still struggled to say that. So how are you feeling about that now? Yeah, I I still struggle with it. And perhaps it's because I'm also a mum and of two young kids, you know, Elliot's two and a bit and Evie's six months old. So I'm in this weird space where I'm I'm a working mum, but I'm still I'm trying to be I'm trying to be everything to everyone. And so I sometimes when, you know, my days are spent with Evie and just sitting breastfeeding a lot and, you know, she's teething. So the work goes out the window. On those days, I lose confidence as a businesswoman because I'm like, oh, you know, it's Sam's thing. And it's so hard to explain. And and I realized very quickly that I do have, I guess, confidence issues when it comes to, you know, taking my place in the business. Like this is a business that if it was not for me, we wouldn't be here because mm. I've supported Sam, you know, to get to a point where he could have a crack at this and that we could have a crack at this. So it just, it's such a, it, I, I, disappoint, I disappoint myself when I think that way because anyone else, you know, would look at what we've done and what I've done and what I've contributed and say, yeah, you, you are the rightful co-owner, you know, you, you are the co-founder. And um, I still struggle to accept that sometimes. Um, and I think that's also because I'm battling that, that, that motherhood, early motherhood identity crisis, as I like to call it, or mine is certainly at times a crisis. Um, so, yeah, so I, I did talk about that openly on social media because I, I think it's more common than we think. Um, and it's almost like fake it till you make it. Like I think that even having a conversation with you about it now is just talking about it and saying I am important, I am significant, this business would, you know, would suffer without me. I think even if you don't truly believe it yet or don't get it, um, I think just talking about it and getting it out there is going to help. So that's something that I'm working on all the time is just that confidence and taking my place in the business because, you know, I, I need to. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, th- I was listening to you speak there, another thing that was coming up for me was thinking about how even just like looking after the kids and managing the house, that's still a really important part of the business that we have sort of, well, we 
we kind of just made it the woman's place for a long period of time and then now we almost don't value it enough because it's like well you know because we pro- well we think that women should be working and we've got now we've got a whole nother layer of what women should be doing so then when we're actually looking after the family which is still a hugely important part of actually the business because otherwise Sam wouldn't be able to do the work that he's doing we kind of don't value that enough now either so it's a very you're right it's so complex really and it's kind of hard to explain but there's a lot of layers to the way we feel now as a, as a woman in business on a farm being a mother doing all these things so and you do talk very beautifully and very openly on your socials about that and I love seeing that and so that probably brings me to is that sort of what inspired you to start the Motherland podcast? It's been so successful and it's so beautiful and it's something that obviously was so needed and has really resonated with people is just that sharing of stories. So what inspired you to start that? You know, I watched many episodes of Farmer Wants a Wife <laughs> and I thought that I knew what rural life would be like. Um, you know, and throw a baby into the mix. Elliot was an absolute nightmare of a of a baby the first few months. I hated it. I, I really hated motherhood for the first few months um, before we moved to Tassie. He was six months old when we moved here. Um, and I definitely had some level of postnatal depression. I was really struggling. Um, and then on top of that, left our support network, left family in Melbourne, friends, my mother's group that I had for, you know, a hot minute before we left. Um, and landed on the farm, just the two of us. Sam, as any, you know, anyone married to a, a, a farmer would knows, was just flat out setting up the business, setting up the farm. He was gone 12 hours a day. I was sitting at home with a six-month-old baby and I just thought, what the hell have I done over all my life? Like, what have I done? Um, I was miserable. I just in, overnight my life changed um, and I went from being a really, I guess, confident, secure woman in, in a city, in an environment that I was really comfortable in um, to, yeah, who, who, what I thought was just nobody. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I didn't have any connections to rural mums here. I didn't know where to find those connections. I thought surely there's a space where I can connect with rural mums, where I can hear their stories, that I can feel supported or less alone in my own journey. Maybe there's mums out there who have some advice. Maybe there's mums out there who are going through what I'm going through. Um, and I couldn't find what I was looking for. Um, so, you know, one day after sobbing at home, cause Sam was out all day and I didn't see him and I just thought I've got to do something. And I said, well, you know, I'm a broadcast journalist. I've, you know, I've, you know, come on, Steph, you've spent, you've got all this, these skill set and in interviewing people. You love talking to people. You're trained in it. You know, why don't, why don't you use that? Um, and so I started Motherland. I literally did the logo. I think it was a hundred bucks. I did the logo online that night, started the Instagram account. I was like, shit, committed now. And <laughs> and I actually asked Sam. Sam had more connections to rural people than I did, of course. So Chantel McAllister, who was episode one, he he knew of her and contacted her. And I was like, oh, would you do them? And she's like, yeah. And Anna <laughs> Pimenta, episode two on King Island, a, a Tassie woman that Sam also kind of knew. And so I used him those first couple of episodes to find my feet. And every rural mum I spoke to thought it was an amazing idea. And it's just kind of grown more rapidly than I could ever have imagined. So that's how it started. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. It's such a good story. It's And it obviously is something that other people really did, did need as well. There's so a couple of things around, you know, like, so obviously that is something that so many women struggle with, especially in rural areas. And that story of like, you know, being growing up in the city, you grew up in the city, you were here, you are landed, new babies, and, and what a lovely way to kind of get through that really challenging time. And it must be just so, so nice to speak to all those women now and it's just grown and grown and grown. But 
What do you think made you, enabled you to have the confidence to do that when you're in that, at that point? Like, was it really hard to take that step? And did you, do you think it was also that you just didn't overthink it? Because sometimes we can really overthink these things as well and like end up just not doing it because we, I mean, I love that you just like, right, I'm going to use these skills. I mean, you did have those skills, obviously, which was a big help that you, and, and to be able to put them to work, but just to go out and create a logo and, and then we're off. Like, that's so good. Yeah, I think to be honest, I was just at the lowest point and, you know, something that um, I've always thought is if something doesn't hurt enough, if it's not bad enough, you won't change. So mm-hmm. um, someone has to be, you know, you know, Sam and I have talked about this a lot, you know, whether it's in business or personal life and you think, God, I wish that person would just, you know, change or I don't know, leave that boyfriend, whatever. It's like whatever is happening, it is obviously mm-hmm. not bad enough for you to change. And so, it wasn't bad enough, but then it became bad enough that I just thought I can sit here on the farm every day being absolutely miserable, spiraling and spiraling into, you know, deeper depression, or I can get off my ass and try and save myself. And it's funny because in saving myself, I feel like I'm helping other mums because that's what they say that they get from the show is they feel less alone and they feel supported and they feel celebrated. And that's what I yearned for. So, um, you know, I'm kind of my own audience because I was in a place where I really needed that connection. So yeah, things got pretty bad and and I just thought, you know what, enough's enough. And at that, at that time, unfortunately, you know, you, you buy calves and the only way, you know, the hundred kilo calves we were buying, they still take a long time to fatten. So we were a long time from market. So my role in the business that we talked about earlier didn't exist because we had nothing to really market, you know, or brand. So, you know, I kept the Instagram channel going, but I felt really inadequate in the business because there was no business up and running yet, you know, we we're busy kind of growing and fattening and setting things up. So Motherland for me was a way to do something for me. Um, and, you know, I'm very open about this, but for me personally, being a mum is not enough. Um, and a lot of people are made to feel guilty for feeling that. Um, but, you know, I, I've kind of moved past that is, it's not enough for me. And and Motherland has helped me use that, um, you know, to drive myself into something that really helps fulfil me and fill my cup. Mm, so much gold in what you just said there. First of all, I completely agree about like the change thing. Like it's it's so interesting, isn't it? And it can be so hard to be what is the catalyst to make you, make you actually change. But you're right that often it has to be that you get to an absolute rock bottom and you're like, right, I've got it. it that's the turning point, you know. Um, and unfortunately it sounds like you got to that point and that's what created, but then look at the growth and the incredible, you know, wonderful gift that you've given to all these other women. And isn't it just so beautiful that yes, through your struggle and your hardship, it's supporting so many other people. And I was thinking about the connection and the story piece and sharing these stories is so, so important. Um, it's just, yeah, that, that's the gold in it, isn't it really being able to share the story. So, so what did you do? There was another question I was going to ask you, but I lost it. But I was going to go to um, what else have you done then? Like, you know, as you started to, because a lot, something that we talk about a lot on this podcast is like well-being and how to empower yourself and, you know, how to take charge and responsibility of your own life and all those sorts of things, which is obviously exactly what you did. So do you have other practices now? Are there other things that you do in your daily life to kind of try and maintain that? Or is it really just, oh, I remember what the other thing was, but first of all, answer this question (laughs) if you'd like. What else do you do now on the farm to kind of, is, is this your main source of like well-being, that connection and sharing the stories or are there other things that you do in your daily life to sort of support your well-being now as well that you learnt from that experience? I wish that I was better in the self-care department. Um, 
I wish I could practice more of what I preach. Um, it's I'm a work in progress. I've got, you know, juggling a lot of balls. And I I also, I, I realise I'm in this time where I have got two young kids and it's not always going to be the totally. way it is. You know, like I was having a shocking day today because I'm just getting over a cold and Evie's got a cold and she's teething and spent the whole day on the boob and I just have so much that I wanted to do and a lot of projects even in the motherland space that I can't get to yet and I was feeling really frustrating. I just have to keep reminding myself that, it's not forever. Um, and that's something I struggle with the frustration. Um, I feel from motherhood can be very overwhelming sometimes. I think that's something a lot of mums don't talk about is, is frustration and anger. I think that's something that's shamed and not talked about enough. Um, but I'm very open about that. Um, and you know, so yeah, I think motherland has been a great self-care tool for me because it helps me. You know, I love talking to these mums. I love talking and building this community. It's been my lifeline. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I still need to get better at carving out some time for me. Um, I just think I'm not there yet. I think, you know, I just need to have realistic expectations. But in saying that, a, a game changer for me has been I just finished a two-month matres- matrescence course. Um, for anyone who doesn't know what matrescence is, it's um, think of it like adolescence but for mums. Um, oh, so, yeah, cool. the trans- yeah, the transformation that women go through um, when they become a mum. Um, and so I've just finished that. I did that through Nikki McCann from the Dear Mama Project, who's actually been on the show on Motherland as a guest, and she's incredible. Um, had two rural mums actually do the recent course, two Motherland mums um, did the one that I just did, which was really cool to see. Um, and that course has been a game changer for me because it's basically unpacking your identity post-children, your values, your beliefs. Um, and the key turning point for me was the what they call the perfect mother myth, So, which is, mm-hmm. you know, just... <laughs> makes me so angry, but we're just fed this idea um, of what it is to be the perfect mum. We're fed the idea that children are the greatest gift on earth and that everything is about self-sacrifice. The more you sacrifice, the better mum you are, you know. You know, it, that's just what we are fed, um, even as little girls right through to we have children. And so unpacking these ideas has really, for me, been an eye-opener because I realised of how much of that myth and that perfect mum that I have been trying to live up to. And um, it's only been, you know, tearing me apart, to be honest. You know, you think about things like mum guilt and, you know, how many times has have you have you as a mum ever felt guilty for taking time out for yourself or, you know, you do something you're like, oh, I should do that or, you know, Elliot watches TV and I'm like, oh, you know, I should spend more time with him. I mean, the research shows that we're actually spending more time with our children now than we were 50 years ago. Um, we just happen to be more under the pump, more stressed. There's should, should, should. We are just consumed by shoulds as mothers and mm. it just eats us away, you know. You ask any man before they go to bed what they think about and I guarantee it's like the next day work, that work meeting, their career, that guy they've got to, you know, flog for doing the wrong thing or that person they've got to fire, where they want to go, their dream job, they need to make more money, whatever, the cattle, the sheep, whatever. You ask any mum and I guarantee you it's not that stuff, not to say that they have to be focused on career but it's not about them and their growth. It's I've got to pack the lunches. Oh, my God, is she teething? Oh, I need to buy some. Oh, we're out of baby Panadol. When are we going into town next? Like books for school, like all this stuff, like this mental load that we carry as mums is overwhelming. And I believe a lot of that it comes from the shoulds um, of the perfect mother myth. So for me, this year in particular, it's about being the good enough mum. And that's something that I'm working on every day is just lowering my expectation and not just lowering my expectation, but when I feel I should creep in or I feel mother guilt creep in, I'm start, I'm learning to stop and think, why am I feeling that? Like mm-hmm. rather than just saying, of course, you know, he shouldn't watch TV or of course he shouldn't have baked beans for dinner. It's like, 
but who who has fed me that idea? Why do I think that? Whose expectation is that what I believe? And, you know, some things I might believe and other things I'm realising I don't and it's just something I've been fed, you know, through the patriarchy really. So um, I know that's quite heavy stuff for everyone listening. Whoa, Steph, massive rant. But um, that's something that for me has been a game changer because motherhood's tough enough. I've found living on the land incredibly empowering but also very isolating you know, life's short and I'm just learning that, you know, sometimes you're your own worst enemy, um, but you need to sometimes get a third perspective or someone else to come in and with a fresh set of eyes, with fresh information to unpack yourself. And so that's what I've been doing to answer your question, to kind of be a better, not even a better mum, just be a better Steph. Because if I'm not a good Steph, I'm a shit mum. I can tell you that I'm a shit wife. Um, so, I feel like yeah. standing up and just giving you a standing ovation, <laughs> Steph. That was awesome. It's like you are speaking my language and you just. Thank, thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Everyone. <laughs> yeah. I was in. That was brilliant. <laughs> like, honestly, I was just like nodding away, like, yes, yes, yes. And um, so much. Uh, like it, and the thing is, the more we talk like this and the more discussions we have like this and the more conversations like this, it's empowering everybody and it's kind of breaking down those stigmas and those barriers and those status quo for all women then because and the more examples we can see of women who are saying, hey, whoa, this is not, it's not okay for us to, to keep being like this and it's not actually serving us anymore, the better it is for everybody. So you can rant all you like, Steph. I absolutely <laughs> love that. Um, you know, and I and I I'm the same. Like I have I've got four kids, you know, but but I I never feel like my kids are enough, but you know, to make me satisfied in life, you know. And you and you do feel guilty for saying that because that's what society has told us should be enough for us. But we never put that expectation on a man that you know just because he's got kids, he should be satisfied with life, and he's just like done. You've got kids, you are happy. Like that's just you know, it's so unfair to put that on a woman in still in in these days and these times that we live in. So I completely agree with you, um, and I love that. I mean, that really is that's a fantastic you know practice that you've been through for your well being. Really, to even just to do that course and and that's amazing and. I actually did uh, so much of that, what you said about the beliefs and unpacking those stories. So a lot of the work that I'm doing with women is around mindset and I just actually did a, a live today about, you know, we've we've got this stigma, even in just the way we live our lives, about um, working so hard as well and not being able to take a break and not being able to just rest. And so we, I talked about what are the stories that you are telling yourself about why you can't just be or just rest. And same with motherhood. What are the stories that you're telling yourself about why they can't watch TV and chances are it will become come from your childhood because your mum and dad said TV was terrible. You should never watch TV, you know, <laughs> whereas we just need to use that resource sometimes, don't we really? <laughs> Absolutely. And just give yeah. ourselves a break. Like exactly. it's just, yeah, yeah, it's hard enough. So yeah. Yeah. And so from, from all the interviews that you've done, it would be interesting. Like what, what is this? Do you see this commonly with women? Like what's what's something that's really stood out to you in speaking and hearing all these women's stories over this time? Is it a couple of years now you've been doing the podcast? Uh, just just under 18 months. So, yeah, yeah still. Right. It's still, still pretty kind of, new. Yeah, it is still pretty new. I feel like I've been doing it a lot, lot, a lot longer, which is really yeah. nice. I feel like, you know, Motherland's really grown to be my my village, I suppose. Um, mm. There are so many themes that I, that I notice, you know, each week, mums that seemingly have nothing in common, have more in common than they think. But, you know, I did the Motherland survey, um, which is still open on the website. I've had more than 200 rural mums 
um, you know, respond to that. And, you know, it was really staggering. Like I think it's like something like 56% of them said that they've struggled with some level of postnatal depression and anxiety. Mm. Um, over half of those haven't sought any sort of help um, for that. Um, and isolation, if you were to pick a word, um, that they said the most, it was isolation and not just geographic isolation, because that's a bit obvious. You know, there are mums that genuinely feel isolated. They might live on a, you know, cattle station in the middle, middle of nowhere, you know, hours from the nearest town and neighbour. Um, you know, some mums, not every mum that lives in an isolated life feels isolated. You've got mums that, you know, live 10 minutes from a local town and they feel isolated. Mm. So um, it depends on the woman, but that feeling of isolation, I feel like there's just a sense of we're all out here living our lives and we just want to feel valued. And I I don't believe that mums are celebrated enough. I don't believe that we are told often enough by the people closest to us what an incredible job we're doing. Um, you know, I, I think I posted about this ages ago, but, you know, one, one night, you know, Sam cuddled up to me in bed and he cuddled me and he said, you're amazing. And I was like, what? And he, and he goes, you're amazing. I was like, and again, you know, just you know, humble pie. I was like, oh, what for? And he's like, just for everything you do, for the kids, for the business, for motherland. And I just burst into tears. Yeah. I just, you know, I'm getting teary thinking about it because it yeah. just, I just needed to hear that so yeah. much. And, you know, I'm not expecting him to say that every day. And, and, but it was just so meaningful to hear that. And we don't hear it enough from others. And it can be really hard to tell that and believe that ourselves as a result. So, in my mind, you know, the feedback I'm getting from Motherland is that, you know, rural mums in all shapes, sizes, forms, locations feel seen and feel valued because mm. every single mum on the show has an amazing story. Like, there, some of them have, you know, heartbreaking stories other others have uplifting stories it doesn't matter at the end of the day it's about making rural mums feel seen valued because I believe rural mums are some of the most under-celebrated undervalued women in this entire country they are you know the backbone of of farming businesses of of just rural businesses not just farming businesses so um yeah that's a big theme coming through is just that you know feeling less isolated through seeing themselves in other stories as well Oh, absolutely. I think it was, um, you know, you often hear Oprah say that like the number one thing is that people just want to know that they've done a good job and that they've been seen. Like at the end of every interview, she said, she said whether it's Beyonce or Barack Obama, whoever, they all just say, oh, did I do a good job? You know, like, and and that's the thing. Like we all just want to be told that we're, we're doing okay and it is so hard that you just don't get that. And, and and that's the thing about the society we live in too, where it is all about it's geared up for achievement and praise and we grow up in an education system and a society that rewards, you know, doing well as well. So it's part of our kind of makeup that we need that as well. And connection. It's a huge part of what we need is connection. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so what's the plans now for like what's the plans for Motherland and what's the plans for, you know, the Taz Agco business and that sort of thing? What's the future look like? Well, yeah, you, just um, baby you are still in the baby bubble, though, to be fair, uh, like a bit, like in your headspace, I suppose, as well, which is, like you said before, you've got to acknowledge that and be kind of, you know, like yeah. balance that, don't you? I have a couple of, you know, pretty big projects in the pipeline for Motherland that I'm, you know, actually one of which I can't talk about yet, but one of which Ooh. I kind of pushed pushed back a little bit and I had to make the decision to take on this project now and sacrifice time with Evie um, and get my mum down here to basically look after her, you know, semi full time while I did this project or push that project back another year. 
um, and I pushed it back. Um, and, you know, that was the right decision. You know, I was thinking about the, what we were talking earlier, the shoulds, should nots. And, you know, there was an element of mum guilt, but then I just thought, you know what, like, yeah, like I will regret, like it's going to happen, this project. It's just going to happen a little bit later than I'd like, liked it to. And motherhood has slowed me down and I, I find it has been the biggest handbrake on my life and and I had no idea just how much it would just stop me in my tracks in, in some cases and that's been a real frustration and pain point of mine. But at the same time, look at where it's where it's led me. You know, it's led me to this incredible motherland community. So I, I grapple with that. So to answer your question, motherland, some exciting projects coming up in the future. Right now, I'm just focusing on you know nailing that you know podcast every week, week after week, growing the community. Um, and you know, I'm really excited to see where that goes because I think there's an incredible opportunity. Um, I've been invited to speak at a couple of events this year if they go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah. Thanks to COVID, um, which I am so grateful for because it's about spreading spreading the motherland word and, and keep promoting and celebrating rural motherhood. Um, and on the Tazagco front, um, yeah, we're in market. We're focusing on, on you know, building relationships with butchers, restaurants, retailers around the country. There's a huge winter festival coming up um, in Tasmania called Dark Mofo, Ooh, um, which I'd is exciting, which... That. Yeah, which yeah. our beef is going to to be front and centre at, which is super exciting. So, you know, we're really busy building the brand and, and educating people on regenerative farming, farming, which is a bit different. Um, and, yeah, so, yeah, certainly not bored. <laughs> Lots happening. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, even just doing the podcast once a week's a lot, really, isn't it? Like, I mean, I know myself, you know, I mean, that in itself, especially with little kids, is... Um, yeah, that's a lot of work just to get that done. But I imagine that's also been really kind of good for you as well because it's like, okay, well, I've got this thing that I have to do. It gives you a bit of a focus. Has that been the case? Like it's got that, you know, that element of like, well, yes, I've got this to do and it's I'm going to make sure I get that done. Yeah, and I suppose it's not like I have to do it. I do it every week because I want to. You know, if I wanted to tomorrow, I could, you know, say to everyone, you know, I'm taking a couple of weeks off because I'm a mum. I have a six month old baby that needs me and everyone would understand because you're all mums. Like, so I have the option to, you know, take breaks and stuff, but I don't because, you know, it keeps me going. You know, I was sitting feeding Evie 5am the other morning and I was so bloody tired. And I just thought, you know, I kind of smiled because I thought, I know that there's another mum out there, a real <laughs> mum that I've had on the podcast sitting in her chair right now thinking I'm so bloody tired. And, and I just kind of smiled. I was like, you know, uh, there's more of me out there and that's kind of what the the game changer for me with motherland has been is no matter what I'm doing if I'm in the cattle yards with Sam I'm like I love knowing that there's another mum out there doing that or if I'm in the office whatever it might be like I'm doing something that other rural mums have done um, before me and that will continue to do and that makes me feel so much less alone so you know for me it's my lifeline it's you know it's part of me now motherland's forever part of me I think Oh, I love that. And it's obviously forever part of, you know, many rural women now as well. And, and I think you're giving them a lifeline too, which is so beautiful and so important. So thank you so much for, for being on today and for producing the fabulous podcast, Motherland, <laughs> Steph. It's just such a gift to so many women I know and and obviously a gift to you as well. And, and you know, we're very grateful for, that you have produced it for us all and it's lovely. So thank you. And thank you so much, for sharing your story and, and being so open and so beautiful in your words and just with your honesty. And it's just, you know, that really is the biggest gift to other women just to have these open conversations and, you know, lower that glass ceiling of, and the expectations for all women. It's just such a gift. So thank you so much. Thank you and, so much uh, for having me. 
I will let you go and have a sort of a small amount of time with Sam before you're back into, you know, going into nighttime up and down mode and the, the craziness of life again. Hopefully you get a little bit of time with Sam before the, with, while the, with them both asleep. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Thank you so much. It was so lovely to talk to you. Thanks so much. Thanks, Steph. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. See ya. Bye. Bye.